0: So Adam Eaton, not as uh, important to the White Sox as we thought he was, huh? Like, I was, like, in shock that they decided, of all the moves they could have made, Adam Eaton was the first one gone, and they finally pulled the trigger and DFA'd somebody. I, I was I was absolutely jaw-on-the-floor shocked, not because it was necessarily the wrong move, Ed, but because they actually did it. I think that's that's what shocked me.
1: Unexpected that your biggest free agent bat signing in the off season is the first guy DFA'd off the team. Assuming you don't count Nick Williams or you know somebody along those lines who was like, "Hey, he's he's here for a moment." I was not necessarily jaw on the floor about it because I think if you look at what Eaton was doing compared to what Brian Goodwin was doing for really kind of the same bang for the buck, and where Billy Hamilton has really ingratiated himself to fans and to the rest of the team, I was like, well, Eaton seems to be the odd man out because Gavin Sheets is hitting. However, I would have never expected this White Sox organization to invest money in a guy only to turn around and say, you're gone midway through the season not even really technically well I'm technically midway through the season but not at the all-star break even until I really gave it some more thought and that was the subject of the blog this week where I kind of feel like maybe this was a setup to begin with
0: I saw this you think that Rick Hahn signed Adam Eaton knowing that at some point he would end up having to move some guys to bring up some of this youth this is your theory I love when you do this you had a theory that eventually a Gavin Sheets was somebody they'd like to see up in the major leagues. Eventually they would want to elevate somebody, and Eaton would be the sacrificial lamb that they would let go of. It was always planned on happening, and they were ju- he just played right into what they thought he was going to do. They paid eight million dollars. It's the most ludicrous thing I've ever seen, ever printed. Yeah, ever. of course. They paid eight million dollars just so that they could DFA him before the season was over.
1: Yeah, I mean, on the off chance that he either A, sucked like he did in 2020, or B, was, you know, the veteran that was standing in the way of somebody that was better, you know, as a youngster. And the best laid plans, obviously, went a little bit awry because you didn't expect to lose Aloy Jimenez for the first half of the season. You didn't expect to lose Luis Robert for a good chunk of the season. But yeah, I, I, I mean... I could never wrap my head around why they chose Eaton over, say, Eddie Rosario or Kyle Schwarber. And I didn't see anything with those two guys in particular that suggested that they reached out to them even, or that they were turned down in favor of a better deal from the Nats in the case of Schwarber, or that Rosario was like, you know where I'm going? I'm going to Cleveland over Chicago because... Uh, that's the closest thing I have to Minneapolis, I guess. I, you know, if he's just moving around Midwestern cities, I'd rather not live in. But that was the
0: weird thing, right? I mean, wasn't it? They wanted Peterson. They offered Jack, if I'm not mistaken, they offered him about $10 million. He thought he was going to make more money. He turns him down. Then they go to their second choice, which is Adam Eaton. Jack, meanwhile, signs with the Cubs for like six mil, so he loses $4 million on that deal. I still think if he went back to the White Sox and said, can I still get that $10 million? They should have given it to him because they were always short sure to bat this offseason. But Eaton was really like the second choice here. And the hope was, well, we just hope that he wasn't what we saw in 2020. Because of the shortened season, he just never got going. We want previous years, Adam Eaton, and they didn't get that. And so they, they move on from him. I love the fact that they moved on, though. I love the fact that they made a decision. You know, it, you might need to make a decision right now. I got work that needs to be done down in my basement. Don't forget family waterproofing solutions takes care of everything that has to do with your basement, your foundation, water running away from your house, all that good stuff. Check them out. They're our proud sponsors. FamilyDry.com or call them at 708-330-4466. That was smooth. You like that? I kind of just jumped right into there. I the like ad. that.
1: And don't forget to mention socks in the basement. They'll give you money off.
0: That's right. And now we move right back into the discussion. It was Jack Peterson and then Adam Eaton,
1: right? And you know what? Peterson's no no better. Peterson's been bad. He's got a, an OPS hanging around 700 this year for a guy who's a power hitter. That's all. That's abysmal,
0: dude. They were on they were on 670 to score. I, I heard audio of this. I didn't hear it live. I keep thinking it's got to be doctored audio. They were on 670 to score on Friday, and some guy put out a trade proposal Peterson for Cease straight up, and the response was what? You would need to give up more than Dylan Cease to get Jack Peterson. And I I listened to this, and I was like, do they even watch the games over there? Look, let me tell you something right now. Jack Peterson's got an OPS plus under 100. He's below average in his OPS plus. He's a platoon hitter. He's not even a guy who gets used every day. The Dodgers never thought of him as an everyday player. He has also been a disappointment this year. If we would have gone and gotten Jack Peterson... We'd be sitting around complaining about him, maybe not as much as as Adam Eaton, but he is only hitting 220 with an OPS sitting right around 700 and his OPS plus below 100. He's down at 93, I think, at last check. So you'd still be disappointed in that guy as well. Yeah, he'd hit a few more home runs, but I think we'd be sitting around saying, I don't know, is this enough? Because guess what? Brian Goodwin and and, uh, and Billy Hamilton, I think, would feel like better contributors. I'm not interested in him, and I definitely wouldn't give up one of my starting five for him. Like, why would I give up one of my starting five pitchers who's 25
1: years old for him? That's crazy. Yeah, and, and to give up, I mean, to give up anything, first of all, I think if the Cubs are really going to be in cost-cutting mode, you could send far less than Dylan Cease, and they'd be like, oh, please take Jack Peterson off of our our coffers. We will be happy to move on to literally anybody. Besides this guy. Now, the one difference I do think is that if Peterson had come here, I think he would have been a strict platoon player. And I don't think I now his numbers aren't great against righties either. I mean, frankly, he's having a bad season no matter how you play it. But I think he would have been used as a platoon outfielder, a platoon DH. He would have gotten semi regular at bats, but he would not have been an everyday player. Whereas Eaton was sold to us as, hey, remember Spanky Eaton? Remember Adam Eaton? He can he can come in and he'll just be our everyday right fielder like he was in 2016 when we traded him for our current ace, Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez and a couple other guys. But, you know, we got Giolito from him and now he's back to be our starting right fielder again and we're a whole team and we're complete. Whereas with Jock Peterson, we like, we're paying this guy for one purpose and one purpose only. It's to be the left-handed complement to Adam Engel as a right fielder. Eaton, though, was I, – I just – I felt like Eaton was always just sort of like, why why would you settle for him? Of all the guys that are out there, why Adam Eaton? You
0: know, the the Peterson-Eaton plan, and that's kind of how you have to think of it, because it was going to be Peterson until he made a dumb move and decided to turn down the $10 The Peterson-Eaton Eaton plan,
1: by the way, sounds like a tax hike, doesn't I it? I know,
0: or like a comet that's going to take out the Earth, like in the late 90s, <laughs> in a big blockbuster movie or something somebody like that. Somebody
1: get me Bruce Willis and, and <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton. Or, or just Tia or Leone else. And,
0: and her microphone, Okay. But but uh, but yeah, but I went Deep Impact, you went Armageddon, pretty much the same movie came out the same year.
1: Yeah, exactly. Wasn't Morgan Freeman president in both somehow? It's possible. I feel like that's the case. The Peterson-Eaton plan, that the idea
0: to get a guy like that in the offseason, I think, first spoke to the fact that your owner did not raise the payroll of the team. We've talked about this many times. He decided to basically give Rick Hahn the same amount of money. Rick had to clear uh, an amount of money that he could spend and he had only so much that he could spend out in right field because there were other things that he wanted to do. There were demands from his his manager. His new manager wanted a closer. There there were things that he was kind of stuck in a certain spot. Plus, I don't think, I'm with you on this, I don't think he wanted a long-term solution in right field because he still believes he's going to find that within his organization. I don't know if I agree with him, but it was always like one year with an option, and he was going to do the same thing with Peterson. And those other guys probably weren't interested in that, or interested in the money Michael that he Brantley had available to. Michael Brantley was never interested in that. No. no, so that so that that's why we ended up with that. But here's the thing: both Eaton and Peterson show that guys that take those contracts more likely than not are going to do what they have done so far this season. Okay, Peterson has had a below average season, and Eaton has just been DFA'd. It's a rarity that in a, in a one year with a one year option, if somebody's willing to take that, that you're actually getting somebody of great quality. And the Sox got what they paid for. And Adam Eaton is gone. Adam Engel is back. We have one more guy on the roster that is not a A player or somebody that was picked up off of the uh, the trash heap that didn't have a team to start the year. And very soon, we've got another one coming. He's a big one. And if he comes back and he hits the way he's capable of hitting, he may be the most dangerous hitter on the team come September. Before we talk about Aloya Menez, let's talk about Cork and Carey. In Beverly, they have two locations, the one at the park, the one in Beverly. I was just at the one in Beverly the other day with a guy who's brand new to that area. He's like, let's grab a beer. We go up there. He sits down. He goes, tell me about what's going on up and down Western Avenue. I was like, this is your Irish pub. Like, there are many others that want to be that on the south side of Chicago, but this is your Irish pub. This one is mine. This is the one where you walk into with the big thick oak bar and you, the, the big selection of 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 drinks and libations and the big taps that have all these different options on it. That's the place that you go into. You sit down, you order a Guinness, and they're sitting there taking their time, making sure that it's perfect for you. All right, that's the place that has the great outdoor. I was telling them, let's go check this out. Look at this outdoor patio that they have. I mean, this isn't like lawn chairs out here. This looks like it's indoors, but it happens to be outdoors with a separate bar outside and the big flat screen TVs. And I know that they'll bring food trucks out there every once in a while and bring them in the back. And it is just a great neighborhood bar to go and hang out at. And it is a perfect spot to hang out on the south side, especially on a summer night with that incredible patio indoors or outdoors. Or if you need to rent out some space Cork and Carry Beverly is the place to do it. Check them out right now online at corkandcarybeverly.com or just pop in and visit them, 10614 Southwestern Avenue on the south side of Chicago. Aloy Menez is returning. It is the big news, is what everybody is excited about. <gasps> ah, Aloy's back. I am more excited though, Ed, at the fact that his first game back, he played DH. And I want every game back for him to play DH. And I am excited that Tony La Russa basically said he's going to play an awful lot of DH because look at the guys that we have that play defense. And I think the White Sox are crazy if he just isn't sitting in your four spot being your DH when he returns. Like, that, if I see him out in left field, I'm going to feel nerves. I'm going to feel anxiety. I'm going to drink more. Every time he does anything, I'm going to go, no, 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 no. Like, that's all I'm going to do for the rest of the season Designated hitter, Aloya Menes. I,
1: well, I'm I'm 100% in agreement. I, I, unless they're playing in a National League Park where you don't have the DH, and then fine. Put him in left. Get him in the lineup. You know, in, in some ways, I don't wanna, I would almost say put him in center, and then just tell him this is your narrow corridor. And Adam Engel is going to be in right, and he'll take care of everything else. Billy Hamilton will be in left. He'll take care of everything else. And then uh, your job is to hit a two home runs and a double in your first three at bats so we could put Brian Goodwin in for you at the end of the game <laughs> and just just do that in National League parks but yeah there's no reason at home for him to see left field except in you know a situation where injuries have absolutely continued to decimate the team where you don't have any other options but I if I'm trying to sell it to him, if I'm Tony or if I'm Rick Hahn or if I'm, if I'm anybody with a White Sox organization and I've got a lawyer sitting there going, but I don't want to be a DH, what you got to sit down with a lawyer and say is, is, look at what we've had to do in your absence. okay? Look at the guys that have been contributing and who we've brought on. Right now, we can run an outfield of Andrew Vaughn, who has been very, very good in the outfield. Billy Hamilton, who has been outstanding in the outfield. Adam Engel, who you know is just a fantastic, a gold glove candidate outfielder. Brian Goodwin, who is a very good professional outfielder. And that's not even getting into Blair Garcia, who has his moments of competence in the outfielder. Jake Lamb, who didn't completely suck out there.
0: Or eventually Luis Robert coming back.
1: And then Luis Robert coming back, exactly. And just sitting him down and saying, look, from a defensive standpoint, it's not that we don't trust you, but... It's going to keep you from getting hurt again. It's going to give you an opportunity to contribute. It's going to make sure that you are not taxed more than we need you to be taxed. And frankly, these guys are just really damn good. And that's where if we have to play Billy Hamilton, his contribution to this team is in the outfield, playing defense in center field in Luis Robert's absence. His contribution is not necessarily at the plate. And I think Aloy Jimenez would understand that. And I think what you're going to have to do then is then come spring training, you're going to have to have this conversation with him again next year when you're like, "Yeah, so the way we constructed the <laughs> roster, there's no chance in hell of you ever seeing the field." By the just way. Just so you know.
0: Just 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 enjoy being a
1: designated hero. Look, because in the offseason we've taken care of this, where you're never you're never going to wear a, a fielder's glove again, frankly.
0: He's so valuable to your team. When he returns to your team, you bring back a guy with the highest OPS on the entire team by nearly 100 points from the guy who's closest to him when we're looking at career numbers against right-handed pitching. Against right-handed pitching, he is far and away the absolute best, most dangerous hitter on this entire team. On a team which has terrible results against right-handed pitching, you now bring in an incredible all-star level, bordering on Hall of Fame level if he does it his entire career, against right-handed pitching. And he actually hasn't been that bad over the last couple of years against left-handed pitching. He actually sits for a career in the 800s. So you bring back this guy who's going to sit right in the middle of your order. He's so valuable. He changes everything. You cannot lose him again. You know, like, like if, if he plays the field once in AAA, I, I'm going to pull every strand of hair in my head from my scalp. Like why, why even risk him stubbing his toe out there and slowing down his return? He should just be hitting, hitting, hitting. And, and we need him to hit because we got to figure out what is he when he gets back. Now, he's telling everybody I'm 200%. I saw that quote, I'm 200%. 200%. I'm, I'm better than I was in spring training. Just like It's just like spring training for him. Everybody's bigger. Everybody's stronger. Everybody feels their best. Everybody's ready to have a career year. And those are the kind of quotes that are coming out when Eloy is talking about himself and when people are describing him. And it's great and it feels good. The real question is, is there any fall-off because of the pectoral muscle, even if it healed. Remember, there were some people who thought back when this happened that it would take a full year for him to regain the power that he really had, that he would not have the same juice when he hit the ball, That even if he got back later in the year. Now, he's disputing that. that everything's rosy. I-, I could finish my hit. That's what he's saying. I could finish my swing. Nothing hurts. There's no discomfort. And he might feel great. He might feel great, but that's all I want him concentrating on right now. Because if there's any issue whatsoever, I want that to be the only thing he's focusing on. Okay? I We need the best possible hitter that Aloy Jimenez can be when he gets to this team. Hopefully, likely, I mean, Rick Hahn said it in a previous interview, if anybody forgot this, when he was talking about Robert and Jimenez maybe a couple of weeks ago, he said once they get cleared, we're looking at about 20 days before they can return. Okay, so I've I've already circled that first game against Cleveland. It's Elvis Night in the ballpark. It's the beginning of a homestand on the on the 29th, I believe, 29th of July, and Aloya Menez, I predict will be back that day. I predict that he will come flying in with the flying Elvi. right? And he will parachute down into the middle of the field, and he somehow will not be injured in any way when he does that. And that should be the only action he sees except for picking up a bat and going up there and hitting. But that I would love that. Wouldn't it be great? He comes flying in in an Elvis suit. Or maybe, because they pretended he was dead after he got injured, he comes down in an angel costume from heaven. Bill Vec would have loved me.
1: Oh, yeah. I I don't think the pandemic (laughs) prevented flying Elvises. Or flying Elvi, I guess would be the plural. Uh, I I would like to see him come in that way. Uh, I just, you know... Obviously, I worry about him doing things like pouring himself a cup of water and not getting injured. But
0: I'm just joking. I don't want him skydiving. I don't want him doing anything. No. He, I want him wrapped in bubble wrap in between games. Now,
1: in, <laughs> I love- in lieu of the bubble wrap, though, I will say that if he puts on like a full fat Elvis suit, that's probably going to be the same thing. It's just foam instead of bubbles, you know. So it, it, it would work out.
0: In, in between every game, he should be placed inside of like one of those space age chambers that you see in movies. That when they're gonna travel for a long time and it just kind of keeps the body safe and monitors everything. Yeah, some sort of
1: hyper sleep right. or something like that?
0: He should be placed in that about twenty hours out of the twenty-four hour cycle, and then he should be let out, given a meal, goes out and plays. They tell him great game, they put him back inside the pod. And then we can just keep him safe and under arm guard for the rest of the year. That's that's all I want from Aloy Menes. Do not in fact, in fact, there should be a the, the equipment guy should be fined if he can even find his own glove in his locker room it should go missing every day. Where's my glove? Oh, you lost it again, Aloy. I guess you're a DH. Like that 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 should be one of his job descriptions now. Keep the glove away from Aloy Jimenez.
1: In fact, if I'm the White Sox, I'm spending a little bit of money to contact all the major glove manufacturers and tell them that Aloy Jimenez no longer has a model with their company and he is not to get one with their company. Nor is he will be allowed to order one. Right. I would ask all Walmarts, Targets, and other sporting goods stores in the area to not stock adult mitts except for on order. So in case lawyer Jimenez comes in to order one, right. he is not able to get one. Uh, there's a lot of things that you can do proactively, but I think, yeah, at the minimum, you tell the equipment guy – this man has no field or glove at all.
0: Socks in the basement listeners looking for great craft beer on the South Side? We have a spot for you. It's the Blue Island Beer Company. This unique local South Side brewery with an incredible tap room is located in the historical district of Blue Island, Illinois. Live music indoors and outdoors. Dollar off drafts on Tuesdays. $3 off growler fills every Wednesday. Incredible beers, great food options, Check out all they have to offer right now at BlueIslandBeerCo.com. Have a beer and watch a game at Blue Island Beer Company, 13357 Old Western Avenue for that great Blue Island beer. Blue Island Beer, Blue Island Beer,
1: we are true to the crowd, let me be absolutely clear. Blue Island Beer, Blue Island Beer. I'll pour another round and drink Blue Island beer. Their
0: Imperial Milk Stout Double Jerk store, that is something special. You got to check that out. 8.8% ABV. They actually make different kinds of sodas that they keep on tap as well. And they took ingredients from one of their cream sodas and put it with a sweet stout. Definitely something to check out at Blue Island Beer Company. Meanwhile, back to what we're talking about. What do you think right now about this team? And the construction of it. First of all, somebody's going to have to go when Aloy comes back. And and you look at this team, they're, they're 16 games over 500 entering their final series before the All-Star break. And their team is Swiss cheese. They played a game the other day with two starters, two guys that were meant to be reserves, three AAA players, and two other guys that had to be brought onto the team as the season was starting or after it started, who didn't even have a team because they'd been released by another team in spring training. That's what they are starting nine was in their lineup, and they won. Like, it, it's, it's incredible what they're doing. Cleveland is now back hovering around 500. It, it, as long as that stays where they're around 500 and you finish the, this weekend around 16, 15 games, you're up seven, eight games at the All Star break in the American League Central with, with a A team essentially and a couple of stars. But eventually, these guys are coming back, right? I mean, eventually, Jimenez is back in a couple of weeks. And then Grandalo's back a couple of weeks after that. And then hopefully, crossing your fingers, Robert's back. And as long as all the guys that are important stay healthy, and which you need, you need them. To, we can't take any more injuries on this team. I know we're like born under a bad sign. But eventually, some of these guys that have been such contributors for you may not have a spot on this team, right? I mean, like that's gonna rip the hearts out of White Sox fans more than Adam Eaton leaving. Like the Adam Eaton DFA, most people are like, I either get it, I don't agree with it, but fine. Like, but and there were a lot of people that were totally into it, right?
1: But right, there's a lot of people who are like, yes, hundred percent. People
0: but- were doing cartwheels. Okay, I mean, there's some people are really yeah, way too excited lo- about it. A little bit
1: of an overreaction. Yeah, some people right, really but-
0: hate him for some reason. I like, I don't hate him. I just didn't think he was a. I didn't think he was the best option for that spot. And then he started playing bad. And it was like, well, let's get, the, I can get rid of him. It, it'll either be now or in a month, but eventually he's not going to make it to the end of the year. That that was my stance on it. Some people were like, you know, lighting off fireworks that they had left over from the fourth when they found out he was DFA'd. I mean, there were celebrations in places. It was weird.
1: They were playing both the original and the upgraded song from the end of Return of the Jedi. Right. They were And cele- banging on Adam Eaton helmets. <laughs> I mean, it was that level of weird.
0: I'm going to have the weirdest dream Kissing tonight after sisters. you said that. Uh, eventually, though, you're going to have to let go of some of these other guys. Right. Like, are you going to cringe if they let go of Billy Hamilton? Because I'm going to cringe a little, even though there might be a crush at some point. You know, Jake Lamb contributed to his team, but I don't know if he makes it to the end of the year. Brian Goodwin, he here's a guy who comes up, does something, but I don't know how much longer he lasts on the team if everybody comes back healthy. I mean, there's going to be guys that are going to disappear. Danny Mendick, I don't know if he makes it the whole way. Jake Berger. Obviously, they brought him up and Tony La Russa looked at him and was like, well, you know, kid, you can hit, but uh, we've done a few workouts with you at second base and I'm going to put Leary there. And when I'm not using Leary, I'm going to put Danny there, but I'm not putting you there because the perfect time was like Friday night. You know, he goes and he puts Jake Berger out there against a, a team like the the Orioles and lets him go and play second base. And he didn't do it. So and we keep seeing all these this footage of him watching Berger working out at second base with his hands on his hips. He sees something there. He's like, nope. I'll try a lot of crazy stuff. I'll put a bunch of AAA players out there all over the place. I'll put Andrew Vaughn in left field, but there is no way I'm putting this guy at second base. Like that's when I saw his lineup coming out of the day off and he didn't say I'm going to experiment a little bit with Berger because I got an eight-game lead. I was like, Tony doesn't like him at second base. He didn't like what he saw.
1: No, he, he's seeing something. And, and, and I'm guessing Berger, for as wonderful a story as he is, you can't go through the leg injuries he's had and have – the kind of mobility he needs to make the turn at second, I'm guessing. That's probably what Tony's worried about more than anything, is him trying to turn a double play, not necessarily him going for a ground ball. But that's neither here nor there. I, th- I think if if Berger's still with the team when Aloy comes back, he's the guy that goes back down to AAA. That, that might be the easy one. But as time goes on, you're right. It's going to be if Jake Lamb comes back first, and he is back on the active roster, then you may very well see him because that's probably where Berger gets gets sent down. If Lamb's here, he might get a couple of showcase games, uh, and if Gavin Sheets is still hitting, you may just see Jake Lamb, who had some good moments for this team. You're right, had some really good moments. He may be on the outside looking in. He may be you know, the next guy to get DFA'd. And then when Robert comes back, now you're getting into Billy Hamilton, Brian Goodwin. And what do you do with those guys?
0: And, and the other thing is you have the possibility they could still make an acquisition. I don't think this team can win a World Series with what they have available to play second base right now. But I also know that they're not going to go get Adam Frazier because one of the most recent things that just came out, the Pirates are supposedly looking for a top 50 prospect or two guys that are in the top 150 to 200 in your system. They want They want really good players for Adam Frazier. And that would, that would lend credence to the rumor that they were asking for Michael Kopek earlier. And if that really was what was going on, the white Sox are out on him. Oh yeah. And, but I still think they got to, they still got to find a second baseman. Right. I mean, I keep seeing Scott Merkin. I love Scott, but again, he put it out this week, you know, Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert and Yasmani Grandel are going to be three great, uh, uh, trade deadline acquisitions. And I'm like, What? No, stop saying that, because if you're saying that, then it makes me feel like that's stuff that the organization is saying out loud when you guys are around. And I don't like that because you still need a second baseman.
1: You do need a second baseman. And and, and there's there's not a ton of guys out there that are available. That's the problem.
0: You need a relief pitcher in a second baseman. okay? unless unless we don't know it. But Andrew Vaughn is so good at playing out of position. He's just going to play second base. (laughs) Is that happening? Like, I can't figure out what the plan is here. But everybody that sits there says, well, what about Leary? Leary Garcia's had a great last couple of weeks, Ed. Just a great last couple of weeks. Yeah. It's only brought his OPS up into the high 600s. Larry, Larry Garcia, when he's red hot, is a good backup player. And when Leary Garcia is cold, garbage. He's never a guy that you want to see out there every day. I don't know if this team can win a World Series with Emendik or Garcia standing at second base. And right now, that looks like what they believe is their best option if they don't make a trade. So I think that's what I'm looking at the most. Like, I'm not even worried about the outfield thing anymore, especially with Jimenez coming back, even though I don't want him out there. like I'm I'm far less worried about that. I'd like to see some bullpen help, and I would like to see a second baseman, any second baseman, but somebody who's more capable than those guys. You know, we talked about Escobar. Escobar's not as good as Mandrigal, but he's heads and tails above. The, the two guys that we have right now that we would plug in on a regular basis. They need an upgrade there that that is a necessity and and, and, and at this point it, I love what James Fox said on the last show. He mainly talked about you know the draft remember the draft is this weekend. We did that show already. you can find it on demand anywhere podcast can be found and always at socksabaement.com. It's a really, really informative show with James. But I asked him, is there anybody down in your minor league system that's untouchable? And he said for the right guy, no. I'm okay with that. I'm truly okay oh, yeah. with that. If they could find a good second baseman, fine. And so that's going to be the interesting thing to watch what they're doing. I, they, I think they find somebody. They have to find somebody. I don't think it's going to be Frazier. And I, I guess I'm okay with it. I, I, I guess I, at this point, I'm 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 better suited for a rental player that they're going to bring in. That's at least an upgrade.
1: Yeah. You know, it goes back to what Rick Hahn said about the juice being worth the squeeze for these guys. And, if the pirates are going to hold a bidding war for Adam Frazier that is going to involve multiple high-end prospects, then if you're the Sox, you got to think about well, what is Adam Frazier next year, and what is Adam Frazier maybe the year after that? Is this guy a long-term part of the plans? And we know that he can play in the outfield, and you know he would be a guy that can certainly contribute going forward after this year. But is he worth the squeeze? And if you're going to tell me that you're going to be able to get a replacement level second baseman who is an above-average hitter, he's an above-average guy, and it's not going to cost you nearly that much, great. But if Escobar is shooting too high and you've got to settle for somebody who's simply better than Leary and better than Danny Mendick, who has been an everyday second baseman. Let's say it's like, say, John Birdie from Miami, who uh, you know has been an everyday player but isn't any great shakes and he costs you next to nothing. Well, I'll take him in the mix and then maybe when it comes to playoff time you're just playing whoever's hot. I don't mind them trading guys at this point. I don't I don't think that if they made a trade tomorrow and it was for a guy that's going to help them in the playoffs and it's going to help them in the World Series and it you know, it's going to help them continue to win during the regular season and if it's a guy that isn't necessarily part of the long-term plans but in the short term is a, is a good get for them and fills a hole here. Whoever you want to trade,
0: dude. We're winning this division. I'm only concerned right now about what we're going to have when we go into the postseason.
1: That, I'm, I'm in the same. I'm the same way. I, I I think it's. I think you're you're playing at this point for day right. one of the playoffs.
0: We're we're taking this division, and at this point, I just want as many of my players healthy and ready to rock and performing at their highest level when we get there. And I that's what, the only reason why I'm focusing on second base now because that's the one thing that's not coming back. Nick Mandrigal's not walking back through the door. And so at this point, in my mind, you're going to have a full-strength team and a below-replacement-level player standing at second base. And that that's the one upgrade that I want to see and maybe a little bit of help for the bullpen. We talked about the window for Aloy. I'm going to leave you guys with this. Uh, it's great. As we're sitting here recording, Tony La Russa talking about the timetable on Jimenez's rehab, saying just like what I said here just a few moments ago when I went back to what Rick Hahn had said, he confirmed it, 20 days. But the team will play it by ear in terms of when he's ready to return, okay, and they want to be fair to him as he gets his timing back and in the MLB shape. I don't care how many days it is. 17, 20, 23, he's coming back. Grandal will be back. Robert will be back. What the team is after they win this division and head towards the postseason is now my focus as I look at the second half of the year, and it's going to be a great second half watching White Sox baseball with you, my friend, and I can't wait to sit back and see what they do next.
1: Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement Socks in the Basement. Heard
0: everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com.